So like the the Mother Mary series that I did, I go around to all these antique shops. This this chair here is like a reflection of that study. So it's like an antique chair that was like all busted up. And then we took that series and reupholstered this chair. So doing anything from, from furniture to apparel, taking the sacred art and bringing it into different forms of like, you know, we can wear Nike, we can wear Adidas, we can wear this, but can we wear sacred art? Welcome to Good and Decent, a podcast by Grotto Network. Season 2, Episode 4, From Old to New. Back in the summer of 2020, the Grotto team was quarantined due to the recent spread of COVID. I had just started producing many documentaries remotely, using Zoom to interview folks. I chatted with artist and painter Jacob Zumo for my next story. So for those who don't know Jacob, he's an extremely talented artist from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's done everything from portraits of rappers to paintings of saints and other sacred work. His art style is so cool and unique. It's a blend of the Renaissance oil painting look mixed with a modern pop art style. I really hope you guys enjoy these excerpts from my conversation with Jacob Zumo. We see a spread of Jacob's work. It's a portrait collection of celebrities like Louis Armstrong, Harry Styles, Lil Wayne, Bob Marley, and Muhammad Ali. In each painting, the subject is framed close up, sometimes just their face, with a unique and colorful background behind them. Ended up doing a painting for a rapper in Baton Rouge named Kevin Gates, um, just to kind of meet him and and jog his brain and, and we ended up talking for like 30 minutes to an hour and it was funny it was like a trickle effect after that it was um drake a week later snoop dogg a week later so i kind of found my uh my market there but it, it came to the point where like i have an opportunity here to really bring something to the table with the reach that we're getting we then see some sacred work of jacobs we see some portraits of padre pio saint joseph and a very interesting one of Mother Teresa. The painting of Mother Teresa shows her walking in the tides of the sea, playfully holding the hand of a child. The second half of the painting shows an angel with a sword in hand in some sort of hell-like battleground. You know, I've always not struggled with my faith, but had trouble just digging deep. And really my art at this point is like, it's almost like my spiritual direction and my apostolate, like how am I diving myself deeper into my peers and myself um, into the sacred. We then see some photos of Jacob's travels in Italy. So I did a year in Italy um, at the only sacred art school in the world, the Sacred Art School of Firenze. For me, what I saw when I went in there, like great technical painting, but what are we pushing and how really, how do we modernize sacred art? without changing that Renaissance style, without changing that Renaissance realism. We then see a beautiful portrait of St. Sebastian. He has been depicted as a black man tied up to a tree near a shore with mossy trees in the background. He sits cross-legged up against a tree, stripped of most of his clothing. It's hauntingly beautiful. When I got back, I had done a piece in Italy of a black St. Sebastian, 
and it was four, you know, I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we have, you know, a lot of black folks here. And, you know, you might go in a Catholic church and all you see are, are white icons. And we have, we have black saints, but what can I do to modernize sacred art? And that's what I keep coming back to. So it's like, can I change icons to a different race to bring, you know, the black folk here and have them feel okay? With the times right now, it's like, whoa, what, what is this story? Instead of like it being an icon where you automatically know it is like a sacred piece. So, you know, this is already an intriguing painting. Like, you know, well, let me tell you the real story. Let me tell you some, you know, something about a saint. You know, really starting that conversation and, and not so much making sacred art cool, but making it okay. I'm still learning my faith, you know, using this opportunity to become closer to God through my art. And, and likewise, yeah, it's for it to translate out. Louisiana Artist Modernizes Sacred Art is a grotto story produced by me. Ben Cruz. Hey guys, my name's Tara and I am video associate here at Grotto Network and producer of today's episode. Our hosts are two of our very own, Becky Rogers, art director, and Liz Colloran, assignment desk and event program manager. Becky and Liz had the chance to catch up with Jacob Zumo, who joined them from his new art gallery in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Here's the audio from their Zoom call. So it's been a minute since Ben last talked to you, and he was so pumped to hear that you were joining us again. But what is new with you? There's been a lot of change for you since we uh, last heard from you. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we've got a lot of things. Well, I guess one personal would be a little surprise, one-year-old, Lola Rose. Um, and then. I still have the studio space downtown, but I'm um, opening a gallery here in Baton Rouge now, um, revolved around sacred art. Um, so yeah, mainly that and uh, a lot of community driven, hopefully stuff getting rolling, but yeah, just uh, retail business and, and pushing the sacred arts. So around COVID and a new child and all that. So yeah. Not much going on then. No. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, a little background about me. You know Liz, you've met her already, but I'm the art director at Grotto. So I kind of have some questions for you, some that you've kind of addressed in your work, but some that I just love to hear your thoughts about. Um, So this month, we're kind of focusing on beauty. And while that may be kind of a broad subject, um, we've kind of found that your work and some of the themes that we're revolving around. have to do with old and new. So like juxtaposition of like in your work, sacred and religious figures with these more modern pop culture styles. Um, So if you remember, and maybe you've talked about this in other interviews, um, you kind of posed the question, how do we modernize sacred art without changing like the Renaissance realism style? So I don't know. Can you just like, do you feel like you've been able to pin this down in your work? Do you feel like it's something that you're still exploring in your art? Absolutely. Um, 
of course all my older work was more of like a graphic look and I did a lot of live painting. Um, but when I went to Italy, it was um, honing in on just a little formation um, of like when you're going to a canvas and, you know, approaching it with prayer. Um, but also um, I want to start storytelling as well, more so than just, you know, either or style. Um, so really when you come to, when I come to a canvas, um, you know, I want any and every walk of life to be able to look at it first and say, you know, that's a, that's a beautiful painting. And from there, it's like, I have to know this story. I can kind of twist to, I don't know if we saw the John the Baptist. Uh, let's see if we can, I can see it. At this point, Jacob swings his camera around to show us his painting of John the Baptist. The focus of the piece is two women, one sitting down and the other standing directly behind her. It then dawns on you that the head of John the Baptist is laying at their feet. Here. So this painting um, was my final project in Italy. Um, and I was actually part of a, um, St. John the Baptist is the patron saint of Florence. So I had a guy I was helping like translate for his website. And basically they had to do a seven day lead up to um, his feast day. Um, so basically what I was doing was like, how do I captivate the Florentine people and the culture? Um, not only by, I'm probably the youngest artist, I'm also American. And so like these people have this like high expectation of first and foremost, what it looks like. Um, and then um, I I'll, I'll, I'll obviously want to bring my Catholic background into it. So basically the background of the piece um, and, and way of modernizing it, it was like, all right, how do I first paint well? And then how do I bring them into the painting and subconsciously make them relate to it? So the background I took, I went to the PT Palace, which is a, a really popular museum in Florence and used the background like a 16th century look to it. So I basically took a picture in there, used that as the background to where when someone's looking at the painting and they're from Florence, they're like, huh, I feel like I've, I've seen that or I've been there before. And they probably have. And then I took two blonde haired white women that were average women. They were actually um, uh, classmates, mother and daughter, because we always use the same models in our class. So in all our paintings at the school, you see the same people. You know, these two women also, I feel like I've seen them walking around Florence or like, just normal looking people. Um, and so then time period wise, I put them, I put the models in 16th century uh, clothing and this and that. Um, so anyway, we, we put that into the festival and uh, the reaction we got was incredible. Um, the women who actually sit in museums um, were watching over the art at our, at our little festival thing as well. And they were like, they couldn't really speak English, but they would come up to me and they'd be like, look at my arms, like my hair is standing up. And these are older women who have like been in, been in the art world uh, for a while. So it was, it was pretty awesome. But then bringing that painting back to the States, um, I showcased it at my, at my uh, soft opening. And uh, it went even further as in, you know, when we take this painting, how can I bring that into three dimension and display it? into a further setting so we put antique furniture we put lit candles i lit like 100 candles in a room turn the lights off and spotlit it 
And so it's just an opportunity to, to story tell about scripture and about Jesus in a way that, you know, not isn't always like um, sanctuary work. Um, so this might not hang in a church, might hang in a house or um, just showcase in people's personal um, collections. But um, yeah, kind of back ending the sacred in that manner of this piece was, um, you know, first captivate them visually, whether it's in three dimension or just the painting and then back in the story. So that was one. And then I guess if, if you want me to keep explaining, I have another one that uh, is pretty relative to to this month being Black History Month. Um, so I don't know if y'all have y'all spoke with Father Josh Johnson. Have y'all heard of him? I haven't, but Ben Ben was talking about him yesterday and how much he admires him. He's a black priest here in Baton Rouge, and I say like he's like a living saint. Him and Father Merritt, they're actually at LSU. So this was obviously Saint Sebastian. He's I think from Milan, um, and so I switched the race to a black man. So uh, Father Josh Johnson was like, he was like, we should call it Saint Sebastian the Black. So it was basically a way of taking black congregations or um, black people in general and just letting them see the narrative as themselves. So basically I put him in a setting that was to my surroundings, like in Louisiana. So I put him in the swamp. I put him tied to a tree and in the, yeah, in the background, you can see it's like kind of a swamp, the ground on the foreground, I have arrows. And so it kind of like parallels to the black narrative in Louisiana and the history we have here with slavery, slavery. And so this this show I had this past Friday, I even added more. So like in the sheetrock, I took bowels. I think that's what you call them, bowels, and made arrows and shot them in. I didn't shoot them in, but I stabbed them into the sheetrock to where like I brought that space into the three dimension, into the third dimension. And so for this show, we added some Spanish moss. We put some like wooden decrepit boxes and candles. And then I put my grandmother's kneeler there to where it was kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of a cool way to, to further that feeling of being there. Um, so it's just a, a creative way of being able to talk about saints by, you know, the viewer seeing themselves in that painting and, and maybe changing saints races or their surroundings in a more modern way. So that was kind of a, another way of, of modernizing sacred art. You know, a priest may come through or a rapper may come through and, you know, just be in the bridge of sacred and, and opening the conversation. So that's where things are now a little bit everywhere. But um, yeah, it's been fun. And it just kind of shows that like the sky is the limit as far as like where sacred art is living. Like historically, it's really only lived inside a church or maybe a, a gallery that's kind of limited to those who can afford to go visit it. So I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about like, are you thinking about where you see your art living in the future? Is there anything, any like lofty goals that you have that that you feel like you would feature your art in a way where you're like, wow, this is like the goal. Like, I know you have this awesome gallery that you've established and seeing it, you know, not just your two-dimensional art, but kind of like these experiential different um, pieces in, in kind of the background and immersed in, in the space there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can you just talk a little bit about just if you've considered any other like ways or um, I guess like avenues of, of depicting your art in spaces that, that are even more, I guess, like accessible or um, 
that it would just feature or let people see more more of your art? Yeah, so I don't know if I talked to Ben about this. It was kind of under wraps, and then COVID's kind of put a semi damper on it. But I have some plans to open a restaurant revolved around the St. John the Baptist painting. Um, and I haven't really fully put it together or pitched it, but um, doing a heaven, purgatory, hell theme in a three-story restaurant from you witnessing the death of John the Baptist on the bottom floor and traveling up to the second floor into purgatory. And I had um, plans of that second floor being like the space where like you have a velvet roped area where like the artist, like even if I'm not there, you can see like an easel with the painting on it that's kind of half done. And then you can showcase the art in that space. And then from there, you travel up into a rooftop and um, have uh, heaven like with like um, greenery plants overlooking some type of scene. And so it kind of like, you know, it's like a a three-story immersive um, art installation that stays there, but revolves in that middle floor with new sacred art, whether it's pop culture, um, relativism, or, or just blatant sacred art. Um, and everything from like sculpture, um, paintings, drinks, all that. So that was kind of a, a gist of an idea that I had that would be, I think that would be like world travel to come in and see that um, and experience. And, you know, everything now is social media driven and um, shareable content and all of that. So like, e- even with this space, I did, um, I put up 500 rosaries on the rafters. I'm definitely going more to the three dimensions. So like, like you said, I would love to either whether it's taking people's homes or doing public spaces, either outside or, or inside. Uh, so like, like you said, it's like, not only can you go into a church and to a reverent space sanctuary and, and pray, but also like, how can we normalize, you know, everything we see where touch pray towards that can be an everyday culture. Do you feel um, a specific connection to Renaissance artists or other sacred artists that came before you who've, whose work you've kind of like adapted and modernized? Are there any specifically that you feel like you connect with? Um, yeah. And, and kind of maybe just into your process a little bit, but like, how do you choose what details to modernize in, in depictions of sacred art that are more traditional, that are maybe a little bit more like representative of one culture? <laughs> I, I took some, some high school art classes, which kind of like made me focus on, because I've never been formally taught besides that one year in Italy. And uh, I can remember looking back at like, obviously Da Vinci, uh, Michelangelo, but mainly uh, the artist Caravaggio who is very dark. Uh, they call it Curascura, where they have like harsh lighting um, in a dark atmosphere from like one angle. Caravaggio was more dramatic and gory. And I think what I took from that was not only his style is the best there is, but he was always going further with his storytelling in a way that was maybe more cinematic. And I'm, I love movies too. I said in another life when uh, I would be a, a movie critic, but I think that that kind of reflects, you know, getting more into the three-dimensional space. But but more about Caravaggio was, you know, the the Bible is obviously the, the most incredible book there is, but 
there's so much darkness and drama in the Bible. And I think a lot of sacred art, maybe more modern sacred art lacks that of like, you see paintings and they're all airy and angelic and there's time and place for that. But there's so much drama in the Bible that was dark and, you know, telling those stories from dark to light, I think maybe a little more intriguing to someone out of, you know, the Christian or Catholic faith. And I think using that is definitely an easy, an easier pool for artists and viewers to, you know, like throw something super dramatic out there to where it's that initial wow. And then we back in the sacred, like I keep saying, I think that's definitely in my core of, of composition building is those dramatic scenes, like every, like miracles and um, murders and, and that, and that storytelling sense is, you know, intriguing to anyone. So, you know, let's, let's forefront some of those of like, not only is it visually like, wow, but it's just um, that dark to light, I think can, can pull more, more pull. Yeah. And just to kind of like pick your brain a little bit more about Caravaggio, he's one of my favorite, like, renaissance artist um when i was studying in art school like i just remember his art speaking to me but i'm just thinking about like when he made the art you know in in the 1500s and 1600s he was modernizing it for his time as well so that he could you know get people to connect to the art and in the same way that you are modernizing it for our time you know just thinking about the piece with the calling of saint matthew um, there's a man that comes in and, and there's there's men that are sitting around a table and they're dressed in kind of the clothing of the 1500s. And I, I just think about how that art was so influential because it depicted um, people that how they looked in that time. So, I mean, I think your art kind of has the same effect, whether it's featuring people, like you said, with with St. Sebastian a black man in, in your Louisiana um, setting that, that connects to people in a way that, that traditional sacred art doesn't. Um, so I don't, I really think I have a question. I just, I just wanted to reflect on that a little bit more and, and kind of give you praise with just the way that you're able to depict these, these saintly and religious figures in, in a way that's so impactful just on our time and our generation. Yeah. And, and even to further that, um, you know, at the beginning of my career, I was, I was doing live paintings. Like one day I would be at a wedding. The next day I'd be at a pro-life event and the next day I'd be at, uh, Lil Wayne's concert. And so I like that brought up the, um, the conversation and dialogue of like the heck first off and why and how, and what I want to do in this space as well, as far as modernizing sacred art. And like you said, like present day uh, events is going back to all these celebrities and using them as muses or models to not only involve pop culture, but have a bigger reach. So I use a girl recently for Our Lady of Guadalupe and she is in the fashion world a little promiscuous. And so I use her as our like Guadalupe and, and, you know, like to me, it's like, you know, it's more about our lady Guadalupe obviously than, than the model, 
but it caught a lot of grief. Her followers are just trolls on the internet or whatever it was. But taking these people into this space, I think it's more about where their reach goes, but also being able again to apostolate to them, to talk to them, to preach to them and teach them about Mother Mary, about sacred art and all the miracles. And so that's like something I'm praying about too, of like what is right and wrong in that sense and in that space and just praying about it. But uh, um, I don't know anyone. I mean, it could be anyone from a, from a celebrity to a homeless person on the street to one of my friends or parents or whatever, and just, and just hitting different avenues, hitting different people um, to start that dialogue and, and let mother Mary and Jesus work it, you know, we were kind of, we were discussing yesterday and this morning that this is the first all female um, lineup of this podcast, good and decent, like female producer, female hosts. We're producing it out of an institution that is founded and honors Mary at Notre Dame. And Mary plays such a big role in your art. Can you talk about how you get inspiration from her and what other like females you might be inspired by? Absolutely. Um, I was brought up Catholic. My grandmother was, is probably one of the most holy women I know. I care took her for like two, two and a half years after coming back from Italy. And it was kind of abruptly, it br- abruptly happened. My, my grandfather was passing away and, uh, came back and my back out of nowhere went out. So I couldn't sit on the plane ride. I could barely walk. So like I had to stay back and I was like, God, like what, what is the deal here? Like, why? Like, tell me what, you know, you know, I thought this was what I need to do. I need to go back for the second year. I need to learn. I learned so much this year. Like the second year would be incredible and it just didn't happen. So, um, ended up caretaking her for two years. I was already really close with her, but got super like way more close with her just being in day in and night. And mother Mary's always been like a, you know, obviously she's a mother to all of us, but it's, it's definitely a reflection of my upbringing. Um, my mother, my aunt, um, one of my aunts is a, a sister, a missionary of charity. Um, and she is incredible. Another very holy woman. And I think their examples have drawn me closer to Mother Mary and like what her sacrifice was and just makes me appreciate, um, you know, the women in my life more. And then having a little girl um, and being a, a, a girl dad has just, um, you know, made me focus harder on her life and her sacrifice and that we need to glorify her. Like without Mother Mary, there's no Jesus. Jacob, can you maybe like explain a little bit about transition to having, having a physical gallery space where you're picturing your art there? Yeah. So like we've kind of tidbitted at, um, I still have, um, studio space, downtown Baton Rouge. Um, it's actually above a stained glass artist. So like that space is like, it's like kind of in like, the hood in a sense but it's like it's like my little cove over there it's really quiet i'm on the second floor there um and it's inspiring to be in the same space with him so there i'll probably be majority creating my work right now it's like such a transitional time even that i've been here i've been here like three months oh like actually in this space so kind of diving back and forth from 
from both locations and making it a space that's like, you know, are we going to open up three hours a day? Or are we going only going to do event-based stuff? And then, like I said, we're collaborating with all sorts of, you know, maybe once a month, we choose a different collaboration, whether it's apparel, an interior designer, architects. I'd love to get into that as well. And just figuring out retail business has been not a struggle, but um, it's a learning curve for sure of how to get new heads in the door, get buyers mainly um, that can afford things, especially here in Baton Rouge. It's like uh, a big part of it has been like, you know, everybody leaves Baton Rouge or they leave their hometown to kind of blow up. So I kind of, you know, getting back to the culture here, getting back to the community and just being a staple. I think this, I would love to do this in other cities, but definitely want a flagship here, get back to the canvas and create more work and make things attainable to everyone. I think that's the recipe of get heads in the door and have something that everyone can buy and take away physically and spiritually. So collaborating with different priests locally with the diocese. I was on uh, Catholic radio this morning, um, interviewing with them. And um, I think the market will be a big thing when we can have more time into it and just pulling people up here during the, the markets and yeah, doing different shows. So just learning, man. Awesome. Thanks again, Jacob. We really appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. And yeah, thank you so much. We will be in touch. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Bye. Jacob's approach to art, making it more accessible to everyone, especially sacred art and being able to see the beauty in so many different aspects of life is just one of the coolest things about him as a person and about his art. Yeah, totally. I think what like makes him stand out as an artist is that he finds a way to make everyone feel represented um, or specifically those who've like have not been represented in sacred or even just like fine art. And the, the way he makes everyone feel so comfortable, like he obviously feels comfortable moving in all these different spaces and all these different worlds. He He's in hip hop and rap, he's with athletes, he's with priests, like he's really walking with people and it's really super cool to see. Yeah, I can't really think of anyone like him that's bringing those worlds together of like pop culture and religion, but like so, so like profoundly, you know, that's like how you live your truth. And I think that he's, he's doing that in, in a really, really authentic way. And it's super interesting to see how he's giving new life to his older pieces. It's kind of like about the space as a whole. Now he's, he's using that in a way to to bring everything together and to be like unapologetic about who he is and what he believes in. Um, and the rosaries on the ceiling too. I just love the fact that he's like taking these traditionally sacred objects and kind of like deconstructing them and, and looking at them in a, an entirely different way. Um, so yeah. When he showed us that chair that had Mary yeah. all over it and how I feel like some people who are deeply devout might have been like in the past been like that is just crossing the line putting sitting on Mary yeah. like yeah. but this is a person who has such a deep relationship with God and it's evident how mm -hmm. strong his faith is he wants to make he doesn't see it that way he sees yeah. 
Mary and faith and God being something that should be involved in the everyday and be something that you can tangibly hold on to. He didn't even talk about hardly at all his time in Italy. I mean, he touched on it briefly, but he learned from one of his teachers was one of Padre Pio's direct like disciple like people mm-hmm. and he has a strong devotion to Padre Pio too really interesting guy he's just he's all over the place in the best way I feel like he's so energetic and like ambitious and I love to see just his work in person because I know it's probably like so much more of an experience to see it there in real life but that's our 2023 retreat <laughs> is going to visit his studio yeah. No, it was super cool to catch up with Jacob. Uh, yeah, we can't wait to see what he does in like the next, I don't know, five years and, and longer. We're definitely lifelong fans of Jacob's. Grotto Network is director Javi Zubi Zaretta, senior editor Josh Nome. Senior Producer, Josh Long. Assignment Desk and Event Program Manager, Liz Colloran. Web Content Analyst, Michaela Douglas. Art Director, Becky Rogers. Associate Producer, Ben Cruz. Hey, that's me. Adrian Garalde is our Social Media Manager. Tara Kelly, Video Associate. Nick Guiney, Media Intern. And Drew Malcolm was a Contributing Editor 